September is Suicide Prevention Month around the nation. It is also Drug and Alcohol Prevention Month. And so I thought it would be very appropriate for us to take a look today at what it is that pulls us down, what, what it is in our culture where so many people are struggling with being healthy emotionally and mentally. And I, I want you to really kind of sit up in your chair and listen and open your heart to this today. I'm sure I'm not going to get all the words right with everything that I'm trying to communicate, but I know the Holy Spirit can quicken this and the truth can get through into our spirit as we walk through and talk about a very difficult and painful subject. A couple things I need you to know as we talk about this message called Voices. We all hear voices, all of us. I'll talk about that in a moment. There's an exhibit going on out there. Some of you might have noticed when you came in, you might not have had the time to really look. We have seven, I think, of them. It's called It Knows No Face. It's about suicide. This is a national exhibit that has many more of these. They're kind of black and white photos on a large scale with a one-page story of this person who either did commit suicide or a friend did or their family member did or they attempted it and a little bit about that person. They have the rest of the exhibit which is going to go into Everyday Joe's we have another campus called Timberline Old Town, right on Mason Street in Old Town. And that full exhibit is going to be there, the national exhibit's going to be there the entire month of September, starting the 6th. Okay? So go have some coffee there, take your time, walk around. It is sobering. They're sad. It'll make you think, you'll contemplate. But today, the reason I think this is so important is because God is a God who wants to give hope when it gets dark. And I, I remember asking our pastors and, and even our whole staff in our, our chapel this week, I said, pray for me. I was feeling so heavy after Monday with this, all this darkness. I was reading so many stats about how many people take their life. And, and, and I finally just kind of got up and started walking around. And I felt God just lift this burden off of me and said, Northrop, what are you doing? You, you are not the person who can shatter and push back the darkness. I already did that. I'm God. You're not. All you have to do is let some light in. I can turn on a light. So that burden got a lot lighter. And I want the light of God to come. We also have uh, just some real partners with us here today. We have um, a, a group of people who are community servants and they're with us. We have table guests out there. Go and say hi to them. Talk to them. Find out what they're doing. Many of them are faith-based, but some of them are not. Um, Imagine Zero is out there. Light of the Rockies Counseling is out there. Three Hopeful Hearts is out there. Summit Stone Health Partners is out there. UC Health is out there. For about the last nine months, we have been working with all of these agencies here in northern Colorado, and Timberline Church is right at the heart of it. And so you are a part of making a difference in mental health in northern Colorado. And I'm so thankful for our partners and our guests. Now, many of you, how, how many of you, just as a question, have lost either a loved one or someone close enough to you, either by committing suicide or attempting suicide, that this is a, a tough subject to talk about because it still pulls all that emotion back up in your life? Look, a lot of you, a lot of you, I'm sorry. 
As a matter of fact, I feel, I feel like you're going to be my greatest cheerleader today to get this out because you, of all people, want this message to be told and you want people to pay attention to their mental health. So thank you for the partnership in that. I have, in fact, been very closely related to suicide just being a pastor in northern Colorado. I've gone to the home to tell the kids that their mom is no longer alive. I've gone with an officer to the basement to recover a body that has been found by a young person or a spouse. I know what it's like to have the pain and the sorrow and the tears and to have people not have answers that they desperately want to have. And today I am here as a servant to say, please let's do our best to pay attention to what it means to be someone alive and well on this earth that God can use to bring light into a very dark world. Amen? Okay, so with that as the premise, let me read to you Ephesians 6, verse 10. Paul writes this church in Ephesus and he says, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the what? What's that word? Strategies. Big word. Strategies. There is a strategy of the devil for every personality type. For every age group, every one of us, there's a strategy to try to take you out. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, it's not people, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. What does this mean? What does all this really mean? If I take that literally, it means that there is chaos in the world today. It means that there are voices that are going to try to penetrate my mind and my life that are going to be death, that are going to be destruction, they're going to be depressing, and I better pay attention to what's going on. Which voice am I going to choose to listen to? You guys, this all started a long, long time ago. God started with his voice by saying, let there be light. God's voice was the first in creation. But right after all that happened, we see another voice in Genesis 3 pop up. And whose voice is that? It's Satan, Lucifer, the enemy of our soul. His voice comes in. See, God had it all figured out, the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve are doing well. God says, it's all ours. We're going we're gonna to live forever. It's a wonderful thing. You can eat all the fruit from this garden. However, this tree here in the middle, this tree, avoid the fruit from this tree. Okay. So Satan comes along in the form of a serpent, and we hear his voice. And what does he say? He says, hey, the, the tree's not going to bother you. Um, you can go ahead and eat that fruit, and you won't die. Was that true? No, it was a lie. And that's something that you need to know as a premise. Satan is a liar. He is a liar. And he will deceive you if you let him. He says, God knows your eyes will be opened. You're not going to die. Go ahead, have a little. Well, they did. And you know the result. Death. Death. The devil lied. And I want to say something. Not only is he a liar, but death is his thing. 
death is his thing. And as long as I know that, I don't have to live in fear, but I need to be enlightened. And I need to pay attention to what Scripture says of how I need to live. Now, you guys, I'm not a demon chaser. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I have people sometimes say, well, there's a demon under that. Oh, there's a demon in that lead guitar. Did you hear how loud that was? I had a lady one time, I, I had a lady one time come right down this middle aisle. She was visiting here from Texas and she had the big, big hair bun thing, you know. I mean, it was like an osprey nest up there. It was just huge. And she came marching down here with her Bible open and, and she said, those drums need to be taken out of this church right now. They are hellish. Demons are in those drums. They're hellish. She kept saying they're hellish. I didn't know what to say. So finally I felt like God just gave me a word. I said, oh, no, 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 you can, you can be encouraged. We have beat the hell out of these drums. We have, there, there is no hell. There is no hell in our drums. They are heavenly drums, okay? Hell is gone from those. It, it actually did not help her at all. But anyway, I tried. See, in John 10, verse 10, here's what Jesus says about all this. He says, the thief's purpose, that means Satan, our enemy, is to steal and kill and destroy, which is absolutely correct. My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. We have two extremes, huge extremes. And so pay attention to these extremes. Now, in your uh, program, uh, you can follow along on the back. I have several voices I want to talk about. But the first thing I want you to write down is this. Why do you think the way you think? Why do you think the way you think? Where did you get this pattern of thought? Who gave it to you? Did you create it? Do you even know how you got it? Every human being develops patterns in their thinking. It even starts in the womb. I'll tell you, I've done a ton of research. Just go ahead. Just research your little heart's content. You will find so many reasons as to why we think the way we think. Factors like childhood. How you were raised is a huge part of, of what you think today and how you think about things. Uh, parents, their influence over you or lack of. Love. Hate. These categories can cause you to think certain things. Prejudice, trust, abandonment. When you look at kids that have been abandoned, their whole thought process goes into, process goes into a whole other way of thinking. Bullying, education, money, experiences. This list could just go on and on and on, but here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that no one else on this earth thinks exactly like you do. No one. There's no other match that sees everything just the way you do. Have you ever watched a political debate and you kind of go, how can someone hold a view like that? And it's because they're wrong and you're right, right? You just know it and you can't believe it. But they do hold a view different than yours. Why? Because no two people think alike. The second thing is, what are some of these voices in my head? What are some of these voices we're going to talk about six different voices. There's, I had a list of 14 at one time, but I knew I wouldn't have time to do that. So I've narrowed it to six, but there's a lot more than six. But I want to talk about these six. Um, number one is just the voice of fear. When you start listening to the voice of fear, and I'm, I'm well, let me just, let's define it. 
How many of you know there's a good kind of fear? So I'm a big National Geographic fan like Nat Geo Wild and the Kingdom and the lions and tigers. And Bonnie doesn't like to watch it because lions eat things. And so she's like, oh, how can you watch that? I don't know. I don't know why. I just, I'm fascinated. But I do know this. I do know that I am afraid of a hungry polar bear. I would run from a grizzly who is hungry trying to chase me. I'm afraid of them. Is that a good fear? Yeah, it really is. I'm afraid to cross the street without looking because a truck or an automobile could harm me. Is that a good fear? Yes, it is. But what I'm talking about is not that. It's a phobia or a paranoia kind of fear. This is the kind of fear that polarizes people from actually being able to live in reality. Now, I would never make light or fun of this. What I'm going to tell you is very sad. But I have actually, as a pastor of this church, helped people navigate these fears. And they're very, very real to them. I've gone over to someone's house who absolutely would not step outside of their home. They were afraid. Someone was going to harm them. Something was going to happen to them. They were paranoid. They wouldn't seek help. And I'm, I, I, I'm so thankful to tell you that with time and love and patience, we were able to do some good there. And, and at least they can get to the store once in a while. But what happens is now you can get food brought to you. You can live a life to where you shop and everything online and you never have to leave your house. Don't get any ideas. Because uh, that's not the way God wants you to live and enjoy your life. But this is the trap that Satan wants. What? To kill. To steal away life. To destroy you. That's what the enemy wants. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, and timidity, but of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-discipline. So these things really matter. Number two, the second voice that's so real. Young people, college students, middle school students, I'm telling you, high schoolers, pay attention to this point. The voice of inferiority. We all need to pay attention to this point, but especially young people because they're not older yet. See, when you get older, you realize people aren't thinking about you anyway. And you don't really care if they do. But boy, when you're formulating this, these age groups and social life and all of that, I mean, it ma everything matters. So the voice of inferiority. Now, I learned about this in high school mostly, big, big day in high school. So I was a track runner in high school. But here's the thing. I was inferior. We ran, I ran the 100-yard dash. It was yards, not meters in those days, the 220, the 440. And I was pretty fast. But we had one guy on our team, really two, but the other guy I could compete with. But there was this one guy, I promise, no matter what, I was inferior to his ability to run. No matter what. I tried, I trained, I worked, I think, harder than he did. But there were times in the race when this guy could run the 100-yard dash a full second ahead of me. Now, you say it's only a second. No, a second is like a mile. Like, he's up there. I didn't care how many people were behind me. It's just that I, I was inferior in my running, and that's why he held all the state records in that race, because he was just blessed with speed. 
There were some other times I felt very superior because I was faster than other people. But here's what I want you to know. I was not capable of running as fast as he could run. There are limitations in each of us that involve our physical realities. But no human on this earth should ever feel inferior when it comes to their value. And this is what Satan does. Stay with me right here. This is what Satan does. He attaches physical shortcomings, especially in young people, he attaches what someone else is better at and he starts pushing inferiority thoughts and he pushes it into their value box. He pushes it into what they are valuing. So suddenly it's not they run faster than me. There's no shame in saying someone can run faster than me, right? But then they start saying they're better than me. I'm no good at this. I'm not worth it. I can't do this. I'm not even worth loving. No one even cares about me. Why? Because I don't measure up. I don't have those grades. I'm worth, I'm never going to get a job. Why can't I be normal? Why can't I have, that's what Satan does. He takes something that might be a true, inferior, physical thing. I'm just not as pretty as them. Well, you may not be. So what? That has nothing to do with your value. God sets your value and he said he created you. In his image, that's a pretty big value. I cannot grow hair on the top of my head as well as that guy can. <laughs> I'm inferior. My hair growth is inferior to you. So what? It doesn't mean I have less of a value in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And boy, we've got to pump this into our young people. They've got to start believing that their value is with everyone else's, God loves all. So your performance is not what God measures your value on. Whether you can run fast or grow hair or do whatever, it doesn't matter. God says you're a 10. But sometimes we don't believe that and we believe the Satan lie that says we're inferior, we're created inferior, we can't do it, we don't belong, run away. The third voice is the voice of rejection. Boy, is this real, huh? Voice of rejection. Have you felt it before? Have you ever heard that voice? Yeah, it's a tough one. I have. I have. First time I really ever heard this voice was in third grade when I sent Connie a note, and Connie said, no, she would not be my girlfriend. <laughs> I was devastated. Then I found Bonnie, and all was good. We had, a, we had a really fun thing in high school. We had a great group in, in my class. Uh, I was really uh, happy with so many of my friends there. And we had a little guy named Chance who, who was disabled physically and mentally. But he could still, he was just the sweetest guy. And everyone loved him at the school. And so we had a rule in gym class, especially with basketball, but you know how you line up and you pick two captains and then you have to pick a team, you know? And, and they always pick the best athletes first to try to win, you know? Well, we had a rule no matter who the captains were because they, they changed those every day in, in, in gym class when we were doing basketball. We set a rule that whoever was picking the teams and went first had to pick chance first, no matter what. So the captain would say, I'll take chance. 
And Chance would get the ball and he would dribble it with both hands and, and he would run around and he would go shoot a hoop. And, 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 and Chance wasn't good at basketball. But you know what? Chance thought he was going to be recruited by the NBA because <laughs> we made him feel special. That's the opposite of rejection. If we could be the people in our world that somehow give those people named Chance a way to be loved and encouraged and nurtured, then a lot of good things would happen. Rejection is devastating. Many of you have, who've gone through this and someone walked out of your life, it's hard to rebuild. And I'm not minimizing your pain. I just know this. How long are you going to listen to that voice? That is a losing voice. Because God has never rejected you. You say, well, well, people have. Who cares? See, I'm so black and white, sometimes this is, isn't the best. Because sometimes I, I want to say to people, well, get over it. Move on. <laughs> and, then, and then I realize, you know, there's counselors sitting here, a lot of you. <laughs> and you're saying, oh, pastor, please, please don't say that. You are heartless. So, so now I don't say that. I say there's a lot of people, there are many people who can help you. I'm not one of them, but many people who, who can help you. Sometimes I just want to kick somebody in the rear and say, get up, get moving. You're loved. You're wallowing in that rejection, and you got to get out of that. Stop thinking about being rejected. But I know it's real. Um, this next one, you know, th there's really no way to talk about it too long because it, it's the voice of hopelessness, number four. This is probably the voice that could lead people into attempting suicide. Because hope is really the only thing that can get you moving forward again. When you truly lose hope, then there's just not much you can do to help someone. And this is the reality that we live in. It's why we have these displays. It's why people have ended their life. And it's why we as a church should never just bury our head in the sand and not talk about it. We need to talk about it. And we are. So thank you. This voice, this voice is loud, and it sort of takes over every part of someone's life and their mind and their thinking. It takes them over. And so you, you can't just walk up and offer, oh, you know, have hope, move on. No, they're, they're way past that. People who become hopeless, they run out of options in their thinking. But there are more options. And I would just say, as helpers, what we have to do with people who are hopeless is we have to let them see there are other options they haven't thought of yet. Because hopelessness will lead to a couple of things, and there's more than this list, but, but many people cope with hopelessness, and you put yourself in here, it, it, drugs and alcohol are a big part of this. Alcohol numbs people to the point that they just don't feel whatever it is they should feel, and they can just drink themselves to sleep and wake up and start over tomorrow. A lot of people in our culture do this. A lot of people who go to church every weekend do this. And no one else really knows it, especially if they are living alone. But you know it, and God knows it, and we want to help you. Pay attention. Pay attention to what's going on in your life as it relates to drugs and alcohol. Another one is isolation. Isolation is a huge issue when people just check out. Suddenly they're not... They're not coming over anymore. Suddenly, they, when they're hopeless, they, they, their self-talk is, nobody wants me around anyway. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really invited. Everyone else goes, but I'm not going to go. No one likes me. And it's just a, it's a spiral. 
And finally, they just isolate themselves. Another one is blaming. I mean, we're dealing with someone right now in a family here at Timberline that they are, they're blaming everybody else. It's dad's fault. It's mom's fault. It's my sibling's fault. It's the government fault. It's, it's everybody else's fault. And that's a sign of hopelessness because they can't get their identity back. Another one is anger. Uh, and that's the last one I'll give you of these. Anger is a very real sign of someone who is hopeless because this is my only way out is to fight. You know, you, you, you corner the bulldog and there's only one way out. They're going to come out biting, right? And that's, that's what we have to pay attention to when people find hopelessness and it's real. Let's look at the last two voices which give us a, a better feel. They're a little more positive. Number five is the voice of reason. If I, could, if I could get you to think on this one, write it down somewhere and really put it in your toolbox. This will help you help people who are falling into hopelessness. The voice of reason says, okay, you're hopeless. You want to take your life. You're depressed. You're clinically depressed, whatever. Can I help you discover some other things that you haven't tried yet that we're going to try together? Would you at least say yes to the possibility of taking a ride down another road that you haven't been on yet. And not always, but usually these people will say, I will try, but I'm pretty sure I've tried everything. Right? But if you can somehow let the Spirit quicken you to bring some new tools to the box and some new experiences into their life, it may very well help them. Now, I'm telling you, this is a time commitment. Timberline, we have to pay attention to the time and the energy that we put into people with mental illness. Because if you're quick with them and you just offer a quick answer and walk away, it's not going to help them. It might make it worse. And I've said it for years, and it's true. It's easy to get into somebody's life, but it's very difficult to get out. And just to put this into perspective, Jesus never once out. I am with you for how long? <laughs> always. Whoa. Always? Really? Seriously? Always? Yeah, always. That's a, that's a long time. So, so we can't be impatient with working with people with these types of disabilities. Number six is the voice of love. There are so many reasons people fall into hopelessness but I'm telling you, if you can let love win and if you can bring God into the equation, if they will have a little faith to start, then it can make a big difference. People need to know they are loved. Ephesians 6, if you just read the very next section from what we read before, it says this. Therefore put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will, be, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Oh, wow. That's exhausting. Do I really have to put all that on every day? Yeah. Yeah, because we live in a world that is coming at us very, very strong. 
And if I'm not prepared for the battle, I am not going to win the little battles that come on a daily day basis in my life. And so this is a warning sign that you really are in a battle. Don't take it easy your whole life. Pay attention. I, I, was, I was watching the Bron- a little bit of the Bronco game this past week, and, and uh, the season you know, is underway and everything's happening. And I noticed that um, all the people on the field have these uniforms on. Have you noticed that? They have like padding everywhere. Bunch of babies. <laughs> right? No. No, they, they're going out there because they're going to get beat up. There's some warfare going on. They know it. You're not going to find someone running out there with nothing on but boxer shorts. They're, they're going to die if they do. And the same with us. Sometimes we just kind of make this assumption like, oh, it's all going to be okay, and I don't have to worry. And the truth is, you need to be worried about your spiritual health. You need to pay attention. You need the armor of God in your life so that you can fight the enemy when he tempts you. So when these voices come, you have something that you can fight back with. Last thing, number three, remain aware and alert. Remain aware and alert. This is just that awareness that says don't sleep your whole life when it comes to spiritual things. And the last verse of this passage in Ephesians 6 says this, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. That's a lot. I don't know if that's even possible. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. You know what? You know what Paul's saying to this church in Ephesus? He's saying don't make this just about you. Why, don't you. why don't you pray for others too? Why don't you look behind you? Everybody just take a second and look behind you. You see anybody back there? Yeah, we're not alone in the room. Back row's like, nope. <laughs> I saw you laughing back there. We are not alone. And that's why we're the family of God. We're called the sons and daughters, the brothers and sisters. And this quote, I don't know who first said it, but I've been saying it for decades. It's an old quote, but I think it still rings true about our lives. And it says this. People really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Say it with me. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for these truths, the word of God. Thank you for the empowerment of your spirit in our lives that we can trust. Show us how to value people who do not value themselves at the level they are valued. I'm going to ask for some vulnerability in this moment, and I'm, I'm going to ask for the sake of privacy that people really do have their eyes closed just for this moment. And as a matter of fact, I'm not even going to look around to try to see who re- responds or lifts a hand but I, I want you to feel the freedom in a minute to just put your hand up and put it right back down. You don't need to hold it up. Just put it up and put it back down with this question. 
Maybe you're not suicidal at all today. Maybe you are, but, but here's the question. I know that I am listening to some of these wrong voices. I know I am. And I'm telling you something, you guys, there's been seasons in my life when I would raise my hand to this because it's not always easy. But if that's you today, all we're going to do is pray over you. We're not going to ask you to stand up or come down here and embarrass you in any way. We're just going to pray over you. If you're listening to some voices you shouldn't be listening to, would you just put your hand up and right back down again? God bless you. Lord Jesus, these are our family members. Our brothers, our sisters, we love them. And as we sit here in the living room today talking about this big thing, we ask for your love and your grace and your mercy to pour over these who have responded by lifting a hand to say, yes, I, I know that the enemy is trying to speak that voice into my life. And I need the tools. I need the tools to push that out. I don't want to hear that voice. And when it does come, I want to learn how to shove it away and get it out of my face. Because I know you have a plan that allows me to prosper, a plan for good. You value my life and you care about these things and you care about my future. So Lord, we give this to you now in trusting, in trusting that you will be the provider. And I pray God also that this won't just be the end game, but this will be the beginning. Lord, as some may need to go see a medical doctor and get help, as others need to get in a class or a program that helps them change the way they're thinking. Give them the courage to not let pride win, but to, to humble themselves and to go get some help that they need so that they can be the you that you're calling them to be and that you see them to be. We give it all to you and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.